Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Iceland doesn't have a whole lot in common with the United States, but it does share a few similarities. Like the U.S., it's home to some of the most impressive and beautiful phenomena nature has to offer. Stare into the sky during a solar flare and you might catch the swirling greens and blues of the aurora borealis. Jump on a boat and watch out for splashes from the tails of gentle humpbacks breaching the water. Or take a dip in the 102-degree Blue Lagoon a geothermal spa 40 minutes outside the capital. Explorers looking for more of a thrill, however, can venture into Thingvayer National Park. It boasts the longest mountain range on Earth set atop a constantly shifting landscape. In fact, the land actually moves 2 centimeters every year, which results in falling rocks and landslides that can prove dangerous for careless divers. Yes, I said divers. As it turns out, the mountain range, known as the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, rests under the clear blue waters of the Silfra Crack. Silfra is actually a fissure caused by the separation of the North American and Eurasian tectonic plates in 1789. The resulting split caused meltwater from a nearby glacier to be filtered through porous underground lava for decades before filling Silfra's underground spring. That means the water is not just safe to drink, it's also so clear you feel like you're floating in air. Though you won't find much in terms of aquatic life there. While the Silfra Crack does boast the cleanest water around, it's far too cold for any aquatic wildlife to survive. Instead, the fish tend to stick to a nearby lake where the temperatures are more comfortable to live in. But there are two important attractions that bring divers down into Silfra. The first is the Cathedral, which is a 330-foot-long underwater fissure in the earth, it's not the length of the crack that's so impressive, though. It's that the water is clear enough to see from one end of the cathedral to the other, as if the water wasn't even there. The other attraction is one meant for more experienced divers. While tourists and casual divers take it easy near the surface, those who are brave enough can swim down into the crack, which descends roughly 60 meters. Like I said before, the land is always moving, almost like it's alive. And as the plates shift, new tunnels and caves open up, providing divers with new avenues of exploration. It's also much more dangerous because of that. Tunnels can close up at any moment. Rocks can come loose and crush someone if they're not paying attention. But if they make it down that far, divers can see how the North American and Eurasian plates have pulled apart over time. Oh, and did you notice anything special about those names? The North American plate and the Eurasian plate? If you guessed that they were part of the North American and European continental landmasses, you would be correct. What we see on a map is like the tip of an iceberg. There's so much beneath the water we never see, and if we did, it would give us a greater understanding of just how large our continents really are. Put another way, the crack is a lot like the Four Corners in the American Southwest, where a person can technically stand in Arizona, New Mexico, Utah, and Colorado all at the same time. Which is impressive, I know, but not nearly as impressive as what you can do down in the Silfra Crack. Because there, brave divers can stand between two separate tectonic plates, stretch out their arms, 
and touch both sides. And since anyone who does that is touching the very edge of both continents, they are technically in North America and Europe at the exact same moment. It's entirely possible, I assure you. But at the same time, it is a bit of a stretch. It's amazing how the threat of imminent danger can add such clarity to our daily lives. When faced with a serious threat, we're able to see what's truly important and what can be disregarded to ensure our safety. Oftentimes, war is the catalyst for such realizations. And for the people who participated in World War I, that danger didn't just add clarity, it also added a little ingenuity. It was called the Great War for a reason. The conflict lasted for four years and stretched across almost all of Europe, but its effects were especially felt in Great Britain. It wasn't just that almost 9 million British soldiers fought in the trenches. If you were an average citizen in the United Kingdom in 1915, then you likely witnessed firsthand the terrifying creation of Count von Zeppelin. This new weapon of mass destruction, as you can probably guess, was an enormous hydrogen-filled aircraft, appropriately called the Zeppelin. It floated above the streets of England late at night, its engines thrumming in the ears of sleepy and frightened families below. While the Zeppelin did drop bombs and cause quite a bit of damage, that wasn't their intention. Their primary mission was to instill fear in the British in order to break the morale and pull them out of the war. And it almost worked. People jumped out of their beds with their clothes on their backs and dashed into smoke-filled streets littered with rubble. Buildings collapsed. Homes were destroyed. Survivors of the Zeppelin raids recalled not knowing where the danger ever really was and whether they were running toward it or away from it. Functioning on little sleep and a sudden jolt of adrenaline, British citizens often found themselves shivering in the street wondering if and when the big one would hit them next or whether they'd have a home to return to when it was all over. And as the raids grew more and more frequent, and people began to expect them, fear quickly turned to embarrassment. After all, folks were standing in public in their nightgowns and underwear, something only their significant others were supposed to see. Women began preparing the night before by hanging cloaks and scarves by their door. Bald men had emergency toupees at the ready. This was Britain in the early 1900s, and social status was everything. What would the neighbors think if one was caught looking less than their best, even when the war was doing its worst? But there were other problems with their choices of nighttime fashion. First, and most importantly, they weren't that fashionable. A cloak was just a big wearable blanket, and nobody wanted to look frumpy in front of their friends. Second, running from explosions proved incredibly difficult when one's legs were being restricted by long, bulky coats. So they turned to the French, who had been known to lounge around in comfortable, luxurious clothing when they were waiting for the bombs to strike. It was a solution that was breathable and stylish. So stylish, in fact, that a British fashion editor at the time stated she actually looked forward to the evening raids just so she could show off her new black threads. Funny enough, this new fashion trend quickly eschewed function for form. Rather than keeping the colors dark so that targets were harder to spot during the night, colors lightened up from blacks and dark blues to pinks and reds. 
Sure, friends and their neighbors could get a good look at them, but the British didn't mind. And eventually, the raid subsided as German resources were needed elsewhere during the war. But their hot new nighttime clothing only grew in popularity. And we still wear them today, though thankfully not for bombing raids. We just wear them to relax in bed or in front of the television while we binge our favorite shows. So I guess we can thank the French and the British for a lot of the things we still love today. Sherlock Holmes, a good glass of wine, and of course, pajamas. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Stay curious.